Well, if I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King, and, and uh, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. I hope you just sit back and relax, and we're going to spend some time together in God's Word. This is our final week in the series entitled Trinity, and next week we begin our walk towards Easter with a brand new series that we're entitling Crossing the Line. So as we bring this series in for a landing today, for good measure and one last time to make sure that everybody has got this over the last three weeks, let me tell you what we believe at Christ the King. We believe in one God, creator of all things, infinitely perfect and eternally existing as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I grew up in a very conservative, small Baptist church, and I loved it. They were amazing people with amazing hearts for God. And I was taught God the Father in ways that still touch my heart to this particular day. Those truths that were put there have have been placed deep inside of my soul, and I'm so thankful for them. But honestly, in all of my years growing up in that church, I never heard one sermon about the Holy Spirit. I remember asking my parents about that one time. I'm like, you know, I see him in the Bible, so where does he fit? And the response that I got was basically this, you know, the Spirit is for those happy people that go to the Pentecostal church down the street. We're the calm part of God's family, and we just kind of, he's just over there. It's it's all all good. And I remember thinking to myself, I mean, what a tragedy that is. I mean, the truth is the Holy Spirit's been neglected for centuries by pastors. I mean, shame shame on us, right? I did another little coffee experiment this past week. I don't normally do them in Linden where I live because I I tend to know a lot of people in the community and when they know you, they give you the answer that you want to hear, not the one that you really, really need to hear. And so I'm standing in line, but I didn't come into the office on Wednesday. I was working on this message, standing in line, young guy in construction clothes behind me and I'm just like, you know, the usual shtick. I'll buy your coffee if you answer a question. He's like, cool. I said, what do you know about the Holy Spirit? There's absolutely nothing. I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, that's fine. So I bought his coffee, honest answer to an honest question. And then we began to talk and just have a conversation back and forth. And here's what broke my heart. He's been going to church his whole life. His whole entire life. And when I ask him the question, what do you know about the Holy Spirit? His answer is absolutely nothing. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. So you can't say that to anybody. All right. We're going to try and blow everyone's cover. The Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. We should never be afraid or misunderstand this essential member of the Godhead. Now, I think one of the reasons why he's talked about so little is because of all of the misconceptions that people have about the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to be honest right from the get-go. This morning, I'm going to tell you, for some of the people in this room, because of your background, I'm not going to go nearly far enough for you. For other people, because of your background, I'm going to go about four steps way beyond where you're comfortable with this morning. Some of you are here in this moment and you're going, this is going to be great. People are going to be speaking in tongues and Pastor Grant's going to slap them on the forehead and it's going to be awesome. Other you, others of you are going, you do one weird thing and I am out that door and never coming back. No pressure on me this morning, Right? Everybody needs to pray for a pastor this morning, okay? My encouragement to you is just relax, keep your heart open, because we're just going to walk through what the Bible says. Just like we have with God the Father, God the Son, we're going to do the same thing. Here's what we believe at Christ the King. We believe the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus Christ 
And during this age to convict and regenerate sinners in salvation, he indwells, seals, guides, instructs, and empowers believers in sanctification for godly living and service. The Holy Spirit, which literally means one who comes alongside, is described throughout the Bible as a teacher, a comforter, an encourager, a guide, a gift mobilizer, and a helper. The word is actually paraclete, and it can be translated many different ways, but the way I believe we're supposed to understand it is in terms of ancient war. Greek warriors always used to battle in pairs. There was a main warrior, and then there was a paraclete, a helper who went along with him. And when they would go out and get into trouble, these warrior and his helper would literally go back to back with each other. They would defend each other and and the helper would come alongside and assist as the warrior worked his way back towards safety. Your battle partner was your helper. And the Bible uses that word to describe the Holy Spirit, one who comes to help. The Bible tells us the the Holy Spirit is a person that thinks and speaks and acts and leads and guides and even grieves when we choose any way other than God's way. I often think of the Holy Spirit as the most tender part of God. Over the last three weeks, we've created a sentence where we've seen God the Father as an initiator. We've seen God the Son as a Savior. And today we're going to add another one of those lines because this is why this matters. The doctrine of the Trinity changes our lives because we get to witness the role of God as Spirit, God the Spirit as Director. There's a directorship that happens with the Holy Spirit. Where does the direction going? Well, here's the first blank in your outline. The Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus, always. John 15, 26 says this, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And it's Jesus speaking here. Like a compass that always points towards true north, the Holy Spirit always points you to Jesus. So if what you're hearing inside of your soul is not pointing you to Jesus, it's not the Holy Spirit, okay? Last week we talked about how there's equality, community, unity within the Trinity, but that there's also deference within the Trinity. And we see it right here as the Holy Spirit directs us towards, points us towards, constantly lifts our eyes to, shifts our focus away from what we're looking at onto who? Jesus, always, 100% of the time. How else do we see the Spirit as director? Well, we see Him as a director because He convicts us of sin so that we can be set free. The Bible says in Romans 8, powerful scripture, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. That's pretty straight. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We need to get this. And I've talked about it before, but people often confuse conviction with condemnation. Let me make it as clear as I can. Satan uses condemnation to get you stuck in your sin. And he always points you back to the point of failure. That's how he uses accusation, condemnation. The Holy Spirit does exactly the opposite. The Holy Spirit uses conviction to free you from your sin. And he doesn't point you back towards your failure. He takes your eyes off of your failure and points them towards the cross, towards your Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the difference. So if you hear in your soul accusatory statements, like you're a failure, you did it again, you blew it over and over again, when are you ever going to get that right? That is not the Holy Spirit of God, I can guarantee you that. 
when you hear in the deepest part of your soul. We need to work on that. We need to bring that to Jesus. We need to get that part of your life healed. That's the Holy Spirit of God. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit is a director. Take us deeper, it takes us deeper into God's presence. I only listed four of the areas where he presses us deeper. Could have listed 44. Went with four. Here's the first area. He presses us deeper into God's presence through prayer. Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but this Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I mean, have you ever been there? Heartbroken, confused, exhausted, disillusioned, questioning, buried underneath a pile of doubt and worry, and there's just no more words left to say. You just can't seem to get anything out of yourself. You're just there, raw, laying in God's presence, and nothing's coming out anymore. Your human effort has been, has been vaporized And now suddenly, in that moment, God steps in. A comforter, a healer, a teacher, a guide who's praying for you and knows exactly what to say because the voice of God is God himself. The Bible says the Holy Spirit prays for us when we can't, when there's nothing left. I remember questioning a very wise theological teacher one time about this. I'm just like, I just can't understand how anybody would ever get to a point where they run out of words. He's like, you know, Grant, it might do you some good to run out of words every once in a while. And he challenged me. He goes, do you think you could ever just get quiet enough to let God pray perfect prayer over you. One of the great questions I've been asked in this series is, you know, so how does this work with prayer, this whole Trinity thing? I mean, should I be praying to different persons of the Trinity for different needs and reasons? I mean, that's a great question. Now, I want to remind you of this. We're to pray to God, okay? That's the place we should all start. Every one of us should be praying to God all of the time, about all of the things that you think God doesn't know. You're not going to surprise him or shock him. He knows everything. We're to be praying all of the time. But as we know the Trinity, it actually enhances our prayer life. I mean, think about it, right? I used to go to my parents for different things. And those of you that are laughing, I want you to know something. Just like you couldn't play your parents against each other, God won't fall for that either, all right? Just so you know. But I used to go to my parents for different things. I would go to my dad when I needed wisdom. He's one of the wisest men I've ever met. I'd go to my mom when I needed comfort. Because she was my mom, right? It didn't matter how small or incidental the thing was. She always found a way to make me feel better. And just like as a child, you go to different parents for different needs. You might find yourself, as you understand the Trinity, approaching God in different ways. Going to God the Father for wisdom. Going to God the Son for healing because you saw Him heal people in Scripture. Going to the Holy Spirit, asking for a gift of discernment or revelation or to to teach you something from the Word of God. I mean, it just makes sense, right? The Holy Spirit is known as a comforter, so it would make sense to go to Him when you need comfort. But here's the cool thing about the Trinity. Jesus said he was the prince of what? Peace. When you have peace, what do you get? 
comfort. Do you see how that works together? It's awesome. I know one thing for sure. If you pray to God, if you come to Jesus looking for wisdom and direction, you're never going to get a response that says, you know what, that is just so not my department. I'm not working in discernment today. You're going to have to do me a favor. Call back, you know, dial extension 231. That's God the Father's deal. Quit clogging up my line. Click. It's not going to happen that way, okay? We're to go to God. But when we understand the Trinity, it just opens up new opportunities for us to love God more and to speak to Him. How else does the Holy Spirit take us deeper into God's presence? He does it through revelation. Scripture says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom and revelation to those who are willing to ask. Whenever you come to the Holy Word of God, before you even crack the cover, my encouragement to you is to pray a simple prayer. Spirit, teach me. Show me what it is that you want me to know from the Word of God today. That's the Spirit's role as a teacher. He wants you to know the Word so you can know God better. The Holy Spirit turns on the light of our understanding so the, page, the words on the page come alive inside of, inside of our souls. I mean, David Watson, one of my favorite theologians, he said this, all Word and no Spirit, we dry up. All Spirit and no Word, we blow up. Both word and spirit, we grow up. That's good truth. How else does the Holy Spirit lead us deeper? He leads us deeper into God through freedom. Colossians 2 Corinthians 3, one of my favorite scriptures, says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. When we worship God with all of our heart, not in a weird way, but we step over into a different spiritual dimension. Worship is one of those golden moments when everything can be in alignment because we're bringing glory to God the Father and the spirit is working inside of us. If our hearts are tender towards God when we worship, Jesus is glorified, God the Father is honored, and the Holy Spirit moves us into God's presence. And when we're in God's presence, we get to see our circumstance from His perspective. And it's always different than ours. You know, in God's presence, this may shock some of you, but I am not a lowly reprobate sinner. When I step into God's presence... The Bible says that I am a saint with the full birthright of one of God's kids. And it's the most beautiful place to be. In God's presence, there's freedom. Freedom to worship, freedom to call on God's power, freedom to confess, freedom to think. And all of that spiritual freedom reflects God's glory and we begin to be transformed. And we're transformed, something happens. We begin to talk like Jesus and act like Jesus, and walk like Jesus, we just begin to become more and more of a reflection of our Savior. You've heard the common saying before, like father, like son. Here's my question, Christ the King. How's your family resemblance this morning? I was out with Braden the other day. We're sitting at this little table, and somebody dropped in on our conversation, and they looked at Braden, and they said, 
you have got to be a fish book. I mean, you need to pray for the kid because he kind of looks like his dad, right? All right? I mean, you have got to be a fish book. And he just smiled. Why did they say that? It's because there's a striking family resemblance between the two of us. I'd like to ask you a question. When people see you out there in the real world, are they struck by your family resemblance or are they clueless as to whose family you belong to? What some of you just felt in the center of your heart, that's not condemnation, that's conviction and it has nothing to do with me whatsoever. Leave me out of it. Do you look like your Savior? Do you act and talk like your Savior? Could people pick you out of a lineup and say, that's a Christian? Here's the last one. The Holy Spirit takes us deeper into God through our spiritual gifts. I don't have time to unpack all of 1 Corinthians 12. I wish I did. But the truth is, in 1 Corinthians 12, God has given every person that has been transformed by His power spiritual gifts, and you're supposed to use those to bless other people and to bring glory to God. I hope I have the gift of teaching. If I don't, I probably shouldn't be sitting here right now. But every one of you in this room has a gift. Sam has the gift of leadership. He just uses a guitar to show it to us. Pastor Jason has the gift of intercession. If you've ever heard him pray, you understand that. Pastor JD has the gift of administration. Pastor Felix has the gift of faith. And you, regardless of whether or not you have a funky little religious title in front of your name or not, you have a gift that the Holy Spirit has given to you and is empowered to you. And if you're not using it, you're ripping off God and his family. So get in the game. Just shoot straight with you this morning. You're holding back on that gift. This body is suffering because you're not doing what the Holy Spirit has put inside of you. You know, one of the reasons people misunderstand the Holy Spirit is because they get, become fixated on the manifestation of the gifts instead of the gift giver himself. People get all wrapped up in their spiritual gift. They begin to think that that spiritual gift is what defines them and that they're really all that because they've got a certain gift and they just want to use it no matter what and no matter when. I'm going to say something to those people. If you spend all of your time talking about your spiritual gift and not the gift giver, you're actually guilty of the sin of idolatry. That's tough truth, isn't it? If you become known as a prophet or a healer before you become known as a humble follower of Jesus, then you've missed out on the purpose of your gift in the first place because your gift is there to bring glory to God, not you. We're supposed to use them humbly with each other. The question I get asked often is, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm going to break it out for you as quick as I can. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means that you are empowered. Acts 1 verse 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I mean, back then in Acts chapter 1, the disciples had precepts. They were very devoted men, but they were fishermen. They were a motley little crew of people from various professions. They weren't flashy. They didn't know that much. They needed something. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit to come in because that little group of people turned the world upside down. Not because they were that good, but because the Holy Spirit was that powerful. 
And this is going to make some of you unbelievably uncomfortable. But when the Holy Spirit came the very first time at Pentecost, don't let it freak you out. But fire fell from heaven. Language barriers were dissolved through the power of the Holy Spirit. And thousands of people got saved. Do you know what that means? It means this, Christ the King. If we will get with that program, we may actually have an opportunity to see revival break out in Whatcom County because the same Holy Spirit that did it in Acts chapter one would love to do it again right here and right now. That's the truth. They were empowered. Secondly, they were directed. Philippians two says this, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. I've learned something in my life. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is always connected to obedience. Always connected to obedience. So without freaking anybody out, I'm going to just share a little thing that happened here a couple years ago. At the end of a service in this room, We were having a moment when people were giving their hearts to Christ. And I did my little spiel where I'm not going to do anything to embarrass anybody. But if you just accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I just want you to slip your hand up in the air so that I can pray for you this week. And in that moment, God was working very hard and there were hands popping up, kind of like last weekend, which was pretty awesome. And a hand went up right over here in this section, kind of where Terry and Dan are sitting right over there. And a hand went up. And as I'm praying, I hear God say something to me. Speak his name. It's Daniel. And I'm like, no. No. I'm a Baptist kid. No. <laughs> I said, yes. No. <laughs> My question, what if I'm wrong? God's like, trust me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> Anybody else had an argument with God like that before? It's like, what are you asking me to do? So finally, I'm like, I'm done arguing with God. And in a matter of seconds, I just said, I see your hand, Daniel. This guy looks up. I mean, eyes like, ah! And I'm like, ah! (laughs) We didn't break eye contact for the rest of the service. And afterwards, in the commons of Christ the King, he comes up and he's kind of looking at me like, this is weird. And I'm looking at him like, this is weird. He said, have we ever met before? I don't think so. I've been out of church for years. I stopped going to church because I felt like God had forgotten my name. He has it. God knows your name. You know, some people go, ooh, the gift. The gift giver. Will it ever happen again? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 
The key is being obedient and participating when God is working. It's listening to the Spirit in the moment and allowing Him to direct us every step of every day. I mean, people often listen to some of my experiences, and I get asked the question every once in a while, you know, did that really happen? Like, no, I just lied in the presence of Almighty God because I needed a funky story this morning, all right? I don't have that big of a death wish, people, all right? Those things happen because every morning before I turn my car on in my garage, I pray a little prayer. Holy Spirit, show me something new today. I need to see you doing what you're doing. Give me a different set of eyes to see what you're teaching me in ways that I've never experienced before. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when I told the story about the kid that ripped off my cookie? The lesson about sharing? You know what the rest of that story was? I was deeply discouraged that day. I just wanted to toss the whole thing in. This is, like, it can't be worth all of this work sometimes. And I'd prayed, God, show me that you haven't forgotten me today. You know what's cool? The Holy Spirit picked a four to five-year-old kid and said, come here, I've got a big spiritual leader that needs a little help. And you're going to get his cookie. You have to ask. You have to ask. Here's the last part. Being filled with the Spirit means you're connected. Romans 8.16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So this morning, when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't give a rip whether you believe you got it when you were saved or a second experience, it doesn't matter to me. My question to you is this. Are you connected? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit or not? I mean, it's like this, right? Growing up, I put God in this great convenient little, this this great convenient little package. And the package was was very convenient for me because God didn't bug me and he didn't get out of the way. And and I was kind of like this water. You know what? There's Alka-Seltzer in this water. The problem is this, though. It's all sealed up. It's in a nice, tidy little package. It doesn't bother anybody. It's not messy. It's, it's not working the way it's supposed to. But there is Alka-Seltzer in that water. Can you see the packages? The problem is this. It's too contained. It's too small of a package. God wants us to open ourselves up so that we get a bit of a different reaction. So things start flowing all over the place. And I'm going to tell you something about it. It's a little messy. I mean, it's pouring all over the place. They just put new carpet on the preaching platform, and I'm getting water everywhere. It's messy, and, it, and, and it's just not kind of all over the place. But do you see the reaction that's happening down here in the bottom? Do you understand that something's happening? You know what's happening in this thing? The water, all the impurities in here, they're being neutralized. Just like the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and neutralizes all that stuff and allows us to overflow with passion and love for God. I don't care how you define it. Have you been filled? You say, I I don't know how. I'll tell you how. You ask. Luke chapter 11, verse 13 If you then, though you are evil, (laughs) that's nice, right? Encouraging. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those 
who ask him. Sunday mornings, I hide in the back corner and I listen to you worship. And I pray a little prayer. Father God, I desperately need your Holy Spirit before I walk out there. Fill me right now with his power. Take me deeper into Jesus through the power of the Spirit. Convict me of even the smallest sin because I don't want any garbage to get in the way this morning. God, use this spiritual gift for your honor and your glory. Help me to walk deeper in faith in this moment. Empower me, direct me, connect me to the Father. Thank you for sending a comforter, a helper, a guide because I need that this morning. Teach me, God, open up the little box that I've put you in and make it messy. You ask. Here's one of my deep concerns about Christ the King Community Church. My deep concern, one of the reasons we did this series, is because I am terrified that many of us unknowingly have become functioning Unitarians. There, I used a big fancy theological term so you can think I'm way smarter than I am, all right? Let me tell you what a functioning Unitarian is. They're a person who knows one of the persons in the Trinity and completely neglects the other two. So I have a question for you. If you grew up like I did, and you know God the Father inside out and backwards, I have a question for you. Have you met the Son? Have you had a face-to-face encounter with the Holy Spirit of God? Or have you neglected them? To my Pentecostal brothers and sisters, God bless your hearts. You know the Spirit. I know you know the Spirit. I have two questions for you. Do you know Jesus? And have you ever met his dad? Those of you who maybe just recently have gotten saved, the first person in the Trinity that you related to was Jesus because he's your Savior. Have I got good news for you? There's a Father in heaven that loves you enough to send that Son and a Holy Spirit of God that wants to walk with you every moment of every day from now till the end of eternity. That's God. Some of you still may not be convinced and you wonder how this applies to your life. Let me tell you how it applies. When you understand the Trinity of Scripture, you understand that every single thing in your life works this way. By the Spirit. Through the Son. To the glory of God your Father. I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care if you're a student. I don't care if you're 22 or 72. As a follower of the Most High God... Every single thing you're going to do this week is going to work according to this if you're following God by the Spirit, through the Son, to the glory of God, your heavenly Father. It's the Trinity. And the Trinity loves Would you pray with me as we close? God, thank you for the messiness of this. I thank you that it's so unbelievably difficult to wrap our minds around this. God, would you help us to wrap our hearts around the message of love?
God, I pray for those of us, including myself, who have neglected portions of your wonderful teaching. God, would you bring us back to understand how you can be one in three and three in one. Holy Spirit, would you come into this moment and convict and touch, encourage and help? Holy Spirit, would you embrace, would you teach this morning? We love you. And I pray that this week we would be mindful that everything that comes out of us when it's godly is by the Spirit, through the Son, and to the glory of God the Father. One in three and three in one. And we pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and God's people said together, Amen.